Hey guys, welcome back to the show, Amy Weber Unleashed. I am your host, Amy Weber. I literally could not sleep last night. I was so excited to have my next my next guest on. Oh my gosh, we have been through so much together and we have a lot to unpack, a lot to catch up on. Uh, so I'm so happy to introduce Joy Giovanni. Hi. Hey. How are you? It's so good to see you. I know, you as well. I have to tell you just quickly, I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast because you are such a determined and powerful woman that I feel like people don't always get the opportunity to know that more playful, um, natural side of you. So I'm really excited. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. You know, it's funny that I realized that um, it's been 17 years since SummerSlam. Did you know this? No. I was like, okay, like I knew I was getting older, but, um, the funniest thing is that, so they sent that. And then someone said the other day that, um, you know how they call like these amazing athletes goats. And so someone said, oh, Amy Weber is the goat of wrestling. I was like, how is that? Okay. Please explain this way. You're, they're like, you're the only person to retire undefeated. I was like, that's hilarious. So funny. I know. So, um, so for those of you, most people know, but for those of you who don't know, Joy and I met during the diva search for the WWE and subsequently ended up working together on, um, SmackDown. And so I just, I just, I miss you so much. We had so many memories and so much fun on the road. A lot of people don't really know that even though we were nemesis on the show, we traveled a lot together. Do you remember how we would have to like lay on the floorboard going to the arena so people couldn't see that we were together? I do. It was like a, it was a little bit, um, on the line back then. They just still didn't want people to be seen together who were in a program kind of against each other. And I mean, we did really have, we were the only people really essentially coming from LA. So it was kind of, you know, us against the world. It kind of felt like a little bit at the time. That's so true. I just remember like we would, um, you know, get to the, I feel like, I don't know, like for, for me, I don't know if you felt the same way, but, um, I think it was such a, an amazing experience, but it also just, it felt like I was thrown into a blender, right? Like there was so many things coming at us, um, during the diva search, so many different, you know, things that we had to kind of process and do very quickly, but also just the rules and regulations behind the scenes of, you know, wrestling that a lot of people had sort of been privy to for years. Like I remember one of the big things was, do you remember having to interrupt people to say hello. So people would be like in a full blown conversation and you always think like just in the normal circumstance, like that's rude to interrupt someone. But in the WWE, if you don't go and actually say hello as you're walking down the hall, then you're in trouble because now you're somehow rude by not interrupting. It's so interesting. I explain it to people that it's, it's its own culture completely. And we're not talking about just your peers that you're, you know, needing to go say hello to. We're talking about, you need to drop off your stuff, go to catering, the top of the top guys and executives, you are to interrupt their meal to make your presence known and say hello to them. It just is so bizarre. Yes. Very very bizarre. (laughs) And then the whole, the whole like wrestlers court, like that whole situation, like they have their own court system. (laughs) I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Oh my God. 
That's so crazy. So I wondered, like, I don't know, you and I just like, we just went for it, right? I mean, we were there and we we were just, I think, doing everything to the best of our ability. So you and I never really talked about like why you got into the diva search or if you knew that you were going to go as far as you did. Did you, what were your intentions when you, when, because I had my own sort of reasons for entering. Um, mine is, is kind of funny. I, I have said this publicly before I was afraid that my agent was going to drop me because what people didn't know was that I had two little kids at the time. I mean, my babies were two and four, I think at the time of the diva search, I could be a little off. I'm not the best with timelines. Um, and I, you know, had skipped a couple auditions and this one was really far from home and it was going to be all day. And I really didn't want to go to be honest, but I didn't even know WWE still existed. Um, and just was like, Oh, I'm going to get dropped if I don't go to this audition and then kept, you know, progressing, uh, through it and you just stick with it. Right. I mean, you're getting, we're getting paid to be there. It's our work anyway. Uh, it was good exposure, of course. Um, we learned a lot on the fly, like you alluded to. And then I don't know if you remember this, but during the, what they call the developmental period, which is when they're preparing to offer a contract, but you haven't signed one yet. Um, you and I actually kind of teamed up with the same attorney to have them read the contract. And that was quite controversial and something that just, we got called into the office over that is not done. You just accept the contract that's given no questions, no red lines. So I feel like from our perspective, I mean, I guess I'll speak for myself. I felt a little bit like when I entered in, I already felt like I had sacrificed a lot. Um, I remember our entertainment attorney saying that was like the most ridiculous contract or non-negotiation he'd ever Yeah. There was a lot of in perpetuity. There was a lot of, I actually never signed my contract. Yeah. Um, yeah, Which was crazy that they kept going on with our storyline when I was not under contract. So that's why it was pretty easy for me just to walk away when the whole incident happened, which I think, I don't know if you remember what we can talk about, but yeah, I remember reading the contract and it was sort of like you and I had an established career prior to coming to the wrestling sort of scene um we had done so much print and commercials and you know what i mean we sort of had an established name and i think what got me was they said we were going to own your name and i thought no you're not <laughs> you're not you know what i mean there's you're not going to own my name for the rest for in perpetuity um and that's the only point i got concession on to be honest and it was a big deal it yeah. was like a, but i was like i'm not i won't sign it was that was my like you know Everything else aside, which was additional ridiculous points, as you know, I, I wouldn't agree to that. So I did walk away with money. Yeah. And people were pretty, I think people were just upset because they felt like so many people, right? Like when you're an actor, you're an actress, you're a model, there's so many different venues that you can go into. So if you don't make it in commercials, you can do, you know, if you don't make it in features, you can do TV, you can do film, you can do theater. There's so many different things. And then now the internet, right, has opened up so many streaming channels, but wrestling, it was like, that's it. There there weren't that many options. So for us, it's like, people felt like, oh my, how could you even just sign it, right? Like, how could you even question the fact that you're about to be on on TV? And then, um, yeah, I don't know, I just remember like the locker room was always just like a weird situation. There's just, like a, just not a very positive, I mean, I think some of the girls were super positive and the others were just not understanding how these girls 
came flying in here under the radar and suddenly we're taking all the TV time right away from. Yeah. So I think two things to your point, what I didn't understand is the blood, sweat and tears that people pour and finances pour into these training academies to try to work their way up through the wrestling ranks. So I didn't have a really good understanding of, you know, the history of it and what other people had put into it. The other thing is, I don't think they really communicated to everyone, as we learned very well, that they don't communicate much of anything to anyone, uh, that they intentionally sought out actresses at that time for that diva search. People, you know, by and large, that had some acting background because their intention was to better the storylines. So I don't think they understood why these girls were there that didn't have any, you know, formal wrestling training or any of that, but that's, you know, essentially what happened. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting because you and I were training, we were training really hard to actually have our first match. And so when people were giving me so much shit, it was just like, you don't know, you know what I mean? You don't know what we're doing behind the scenes. You don't know. I mean, even so much as like us running the bleachers, right. Trying to stay in shape. Talk about that sometimes. Like that's what we do. You just, you know, we'd be running the bleachers when we got there. And it was, it was really interesting. Just the eerie magnitude of being in these huge arenas before they're open, you know, seeing all the seating was very, uh, eye of the tiger. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think, I think one of my, the fondest memories is, um, being on top of a limo, holding on like a cowboy and like pyro is going off all around you. And there's like, you know, whatever, 40,000 people just like, what did I get myself into? I mean, it was amazing. It's just funny because, um, did you ever go heel? Like, cause I know I left and you were a face and I was the heel. Did you ever turn heel at all? I was there about another, I want to say nine ish months, maybe 10. It, it was under a year, certainly. Um, I could feel the storyline disintegrating and you're going to laugh at this, uh, <laughs> you, but I actually proposed several different options for where my character could go. Um, I proposed flipping heel at that time. They were partnering. Eddie had gone heel and Ray was going heel with him. And I was doing a lot of appearances with Ray Mysterio at the time. So I was like, it didn't make sense. Turn me heel. And they told me that I wouldn't, they didn't feel like I could be believable as a heel. Really? <laughs> That's so interesting. No, oh, so like, like I'm an actress. That's, that's why that's what you do. Yeah. And I have dark hair. We're just naturally the bitch yeah. or the people that are killing people. No, because like just to, to be a heel, I don't think people understand what it's like when you come out and people literally have signs calling you whatever gutter slut or whatever they're calling you screaming like profanities, like, you know, you. I was just like, oh my, and be like, no, Amy, like you're doing your job. They hate you. And you're yeah. doing your job because they hate you. It was like, oh, right. I've never experienced this before. But but yeah, I know for me, I didn't, I mean, I, I was getting so close to a lot of really big movies in Hollywood. And then it started coming down to like, oh, it's between you and Anna Faris. And then Miramax likes you. But then Keenan Ivory went with Anna Faris. And I just got so close to so many things that I just started to get really disheartened, I guess, with Hollywood. And then the opportunity came up to do the the diva search and I was old I mean look I'm older now but I was old at the time I remember lying about my age and praying that they weren't going to ask for my ID and just wondering like what am I going to come up with like you know I lost it or whatever it was but I remember I was in my 30s 
must have been my 30s. And I said I was 27, I think, at the time. We knew because we traveled together, but that's the only reason I knew. And you know me, I'm tight-lipped with things that... (laughs) And so I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to do something different. And I never in a million years thought that I would even get that far. And it just, like you said, it just, it was going so fast. It was like, they started with however many thousands of girls in Marina Del Rey at that hotel. And then yeah. they just kept bringing, and I'm thinking, okay, at any time they're going to let me go and eat, right? Cause we're all starving. And then, nope, they just kept kind of calling us back. And then all of a sudden, like we're in New York, right? Like at the live, it was crazy. And then we're on the show and uh, yeah, it was it was a very fascinating kind of time. I always say that, look, I I grew so much during that time because I realized, you know, coming from a really difficult, difficult childhood, I'd always had this thing that I don't know, I think deep down I didn't think I deserved good things um, or maybe I would sabotage really good things. And so what the WWE did for me is it made me realize um, I don't deserve to be treated a certain way and it's okay to stand up for myself. And that's ultimately sort of what I had to do in Alaska, you know, after the the plane ride. Yeah, I'm glad we're here because I want to talk about this. Oh my gosh. Do you know what happened to me? I do. I remember the whole thing because we were sitting together because we had gotten in trouble for taking up two rows, even though we were on an entire charter empty, plane. Empty plane. Right. Yeah. And all the big talent, all the guys were up in first class and business and the de- we were back in coach. And so we were laying across three seats sleeping because we had what, like, like a, a middle row. Yeah, yeah. Like a middle row. Like we were exhausted um, from flying. Oh my gosh. We started, didn't we do like two shows in Hawaii? Then we went to Japan and then we were going back to Alaska in yeah. like 10 days, like something insane, like an insane schedule, but it was a completely empty flight in the back. There well, was the other thing is I, if you remember on the flight there, um, we had kind of, some of the guys were, you know, you make friends wherever you work, right? It's yeah. just the nature of work. So some of the guys that weren't main card guys, like the more secondary storyline guys became friends and they were like, Hey, you guys need to know that traditionally, you know, there's hazing, some girls get their hair cut, things happen, don't fall asleep. So there was like this getting like chills thinking about it. There was this. I didn't get the warning. (laughs) Oh, you didn't? No. Because remember on the flight back, we were even kind of sleeping in shifts. We were watching a movie. We were actually together and had fallen asleep. Um, the incident happened. And then I kind of woke up, saw you because you were to my right. I remember it pretty clearly. You obviously like had, it was Bloody Mary is what it was yeah, on you, yeah. but I didn't recognize at the time. And your face was just, I hadn't seen you in that state before. Um, just the trauma look on your face. And I was like, what happened? I looked, um, I've since, I since know that you've like come out about all this. So I saw one of the guys and didn't see the other and I was pissed for you. And I have to tell you, I was so guilty for years for not leaving when you left. I felt so bad just as a woman, not standing with you and leaving and being like, this is BS, you know, um, what no one knew is that, you know, my marriage was deteriorating. I was the sole supporter of like my immediate family plus my mom, Um, that trip was insane for me with calls from home, you know, just not healthy, not healthy marriage calls. 
Um, so I kind of was like, I have to stay and I have to do this. And this is ridiculous that this type of abuse is going to be accepted, that we're going to sweep it under the rug and act like it never happened, that we're not going to talk about. Like, I'm still mad about it. I have chills because I'm still on your behalf. Oh my gosh. Thank you. No, I mean, listen, I just, I mean, standing up to edge was just, I mean, I was just like, I just remember being like, let's go. Do you want to fight me? I mean, like, what do you want? I don't. And then someone had said, oh, they're upset because you went into the male locker room, even though the trainer told you to, and you got, um, ibuprofen or ice and how dare you. It just was like, just so childish, you know? And I just, yeah, it was just so spineless and childish. And I'm sure, listen, those, those guys have grown up and they have families now and, you know, hopefully they regret what they did. But I just remember it was so, it was like three in the morning. We landed in Alaska and then I just went up to Shane. Remember Vince was not on that trip. He had, yeah, yeah, I went up to Shane and said, um, thank you for the opportunity. Um, but, uh, you know, it was nice, you know, it was nice knowing you, but I'm done. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, you've got your luggage, like you're done. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm done. And it was just, I just went into like, just save yourself mode. I trying to find a cab to find a hotel to find a, you know, a a flight home. It was, um, it was a really kind of tense situation. Listen, looking back, I think I did the right thing because I would have felt really bad inside had I let someone treat me that way and not actually had some repercussion, right? Even though they had no repercussion, at least at the end of the day, I didn't say, well, I'm just going to stick around for some more abuse, you know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's so funny. Okay. So I'm so excited. Okay. You are now doing, are you a psychic medium? Explain. Um, okay. Okay. Um, this all kind of came together last minute. Cause I was actually hoping to privately do a reading for you before we did this, just so you could have a better, you know, just a feel of what I did. And cause I love you and haven't talked to you in a long time. Um, so essentially all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. Um, I just happen to have both gifts Uh, essentially psychic is when I'm blending my energy into the energy of a living person and becoming aware of details about things that are going on with them, things that are heavy on their heart decisions they're making. And the other side of that coin is when I'm connecting with someone who's already crossed over, I'm essentially just blending my energy with the soul of a, a disincarnate person, a person that's no longer in their physical body. Um, the type of mediumship I practice is called evidential mediumship, which just basically means when loved ones do step forward, I like them to give some specific details about who they were here in the physical world so that, you know, the recipient can actually validate and know for sure that that's their person. Uh, so it's been an interesting journey. (laughs) Did you, have you always known that you had this ability? Did, I mean, have you always just sort of had really strong gut feelings that turned into this? It's funny because I think hindsight is always much more clear. Um, I certainly had things that were unusual. Like I had language before the age of one and I was talking to imaginary friends um, for the first couple years of my life, which is kind of normal, but not at one year old, you know, Uh, I've always seen color when I close my eyes. I've always seen color around people at certain times Um, when I was little, you know, second third grade in Catholic school, I felt very connected to like angels and knew that there was something greater than me. I just didn't have language or understanding 
at that time. So I really didn't believe in, you know, all of the psychic and all that. I was like, that's not, that's, you know, that's not real. Um, the first person that told me, you know, my mentor who I mentored with for Reiki, which is a type of Japanese energy work. She was like, oh, you're psychic. And I was like, oh, you're crazy because it's <laughs> not real. Uh, and then when I understood that it's different than those images in the movie where everything stands still and it's these big, you know, life-changing visions, it's not like that. And once I understood what it was, I was like, oh, I do that. I can walk into a room and almost sense the emotional temperature, know if there's been a fight, know if um, someone's upset, even if they're not telling me. I've always done all of that. That's really at the heart of it, what the psychic work is. And I think we all have intuitive abilities. We just, in our society, the, the words are uncomfortable. That's all. Yeah. I think that we, um, we all have like little intuitions, right. Or we have little, we have signs and mm -hmm. I think most people ignore those signs. I mean, yeah. I, I've probably been guilty of it, but I think as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized, especially numbers come to me a lot. Um, and then it's weird cause I, it's like, I'm trying to teach my kids about energy and about how like we all sort of have this energy and how, you know, when you walk into a room and you're really happy and then you feel like almost like a balloon that's sort of, you know, seeping <laughs> like the air out, like someone's just taken out. Um, I had another guest that didn't, doesn't really believe in manifestation, even though for me, look, uh, you know, like he said, it's semantics. You can call it what you want, but I firmly believe that if you have a really positive outlook on life and you live a life in gratitude, um, your whole world changes, right? Because right. look, um, there's decisions in life. And so you have to decide, are you going to have a good day? Or are you going to have a bad day? And those are choices, no matter what, if you stub your toe, whatever you're going through, you still have that choice um, to make it the best day or to make it a really shitty day. Um, yeah. Well, and to your point, there is so much free will choice. I don't believe anyone can predict the future. I can see if you keep going in this direction, these are the most likely outcomes and these are the alternate potentials. And then you can use your free will, like you said, to show up and navigate your own journey accordingly. But it's not those things aren't chosen for us. We have total free will choice. Yeah. And I always say I'm not like a super, super religious person, but I definitely have a relationship with God. And I always say to people, people will say, you know, oh, they pray to God, you know, God, give me strength. Right. And so what happens is, you know, suddenly you have these obstacles that are put in your path and then you get through them. And because of that, you become stronger. So mm -hmm. in reality, right, the universe, God, your higher power, sure. whatever you want to call it, you did get stronger. You just didn't get stronger in the way it was like, like someone snapped their fingers and suddenly, you know, you're a much stronger person. So I just think people just don't realize, um, how it comes about and how it manifests and really what manifestation is for me. I think it's just all about mindset and, um, changing your mindset and also just sort of changing your habits. Um, yeah. you know, and, and again, for me, I, Cancer was a big, you know, a really big part of my life that, you know, helped me live in more gratitude. But even then, after I got farther and further away from the cancer, you know, I even am guilty of not practicing what I preach, right? And having like just that full gratitude. And 
I was working with someone that was helping me kind of go through timeline therapy. So going back into my childhood to try to maybe mend some of these things that were still maybe stuck in my body. And, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting just to, to kind of go back and see, um, it was hard, right? Like I would actually go back into my child body and feel the things right that I was feeling. But, um, he said something really interesting about, you know, um, having gratitude and about having faith. And he said, you know, it's like you're manifesting and then maybe it's not happening in the time that you want it to. You're not seeing what you think you're supposed to see. And he's like, but then and I'm like, how do I have that faith? Right. And then he said, OK, when you go to a restaurant and you order your food, do you ask the waiter every 60 seconds? Is it coming? Is my food coming? Is it coming? Because I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to come or not. Like you have so much faith that that food is coming. You'll actually get him to go to the bathroom wash your hands and come back. You'll leave the table. But yeah. so you can have faith that you've ordered and your food is coming, but you can't have faith that you've placed your intentions and you've done the work and that good things right are coming to you. It's like I think a, a missing piece of that for a lot of, I mean, cause I, I teach a lot of this work at this point. So there is that thing of taking action. It's, it's that old story. Um, I think they, I think it's told in the eat, pray, love movie where she's like, you know, this man prays for, for help. And, you know, I need money. I need finances. I need resources. I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. And then eventually God answers and says, you know, go buy a ticket. So there is, there is something (laughs) about seizing those opportunities as they're put in front of us, the things that we're requesting, the things that we're wanting, you know, to experience and to call forward into our experience things will come across and are we taking action on what we say we want or are we just saying we want it? But when the opportunities come, we're either, like you said before, sabotaging, not showing up for them, not being willing to do the work. So there's a, there's a little bit of our own, you know, continuing to put that energy forward, right. So it can grow and not just be this thought in the wind that we wish for and never seems to come forward. Right. Cause it's not like a genie in a bottle. I right? Right. I mean, you have to actually put some work into it. Um, it's just a matter of like listening to whatever intuition comes to you and trying to figure out, I know, cause I wanted, you know, um, I love real estate. It's literally, I, and not, it's not about the commission check for me. It's about, you know, me not having a safe, healthy home when I was a kid and wanting to be a part of that for other families. And then also me being able to build a lot of wealth through real estate and then knowing what that empowering, how that feels as a woman, especially to have, you know, kind of a little empire that I created for myself. And it feels very gratifying and, you know, satisfying. And so being able to help others with that, but, you know, sometimes like, you get really beat up right? You get beat up in every industry, but I, I don't know, lately it's just, I was like, I'm so beat up by these people. It's like, I'm getting them, you know, whatever, 500 a million over their asking prize and I'm getting all these things and they can't even say, thank you. Like, I don't want anything. Just like, thank you. I don't need a Zillow review. I've got a, you know, 300 of them. Like, I just, can you just be great gracious? And it just became really strange because like so many entitled like people that I was coming across. So like when I was working with this guy, it's like, I wanted him to say to me, yes, do this. Yes. Quit. Yes. Do the podcast. But at the end of the day, no one can really make those decisions for you. Like, I'm sure you help people figure it out. Like you're kind of just a guide, right? Yeah, Trying to I just hold space for them to come to their own 
decisions. And some of it, similarly to what you were saying about your childhood, particularly as women, but just in general, in our culture, we are really taught to um, hide our emotions, right? Shove them down, fit in by all means necessary. Definitely don't show your quirks, you know, be, and be don't whoever. sparkle. Don't, don't, yeah, don't exactly. shine. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's a big part of the problem of what's going on. So tell me, so if I came to you, so would you, do you use cards? Explain to me. I'm so, this is so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Okay. So there's a few things. Um, people come to me all different ways. I have a free Facebook community. Uh, it's called joy soul spa. It's open to everyone, um, where they can just kind of, it's a community of, of like-minded people, a safe space to kind of explore energy, explore all of these type of topics. So some people will come into me that way. There's a few different things that I do. Coaching is more where, you know, if you just have some questions about your life path or things are going in a direction and you're not sure what your next steps are, that's where I'm more holding space for people to kind of get to the heart of their own matter. And sometimes I'm just pointing them in a direction a little bit, but they're really taking those steps and doing the hard, you know, heavy emotional excavating on their own. Um, Readings really are I don't necessarily delineate them into you're going to hear from a loved one or you're going to hear about, you know, things in your own life. A session is a session and whatever your soul needs in that session is what will come to light. And whether that's hearing from someone that's crossed over or looking into your own space about things that are heavy on your heart, the session kind of guides itself. And most sessions are a combination of those two things. And then I also still do energy healing because that's my first love in all of this is Reiki and you know shocker work and all of that. Um, I've started teaching. So I have a course, uh, it's currently closed, but it's called Goddess Untamed. And it's really getting down to the root of where have we been programmed? Like we were talking about to hide our light, to dull our sparkles so others can feel better, to be less empowered. You know, that thought of being taught that there's not enough to go around when truthfully we can all win and we can all support each other in doing that. Um, so that's that course. And I top secret, I'm going to be releasing another, uh, course, like a mentorship nine month program for people who want to certify as hands-on healers themselves and become professional healers. So I got a lot, a lot going on right now. I love, you know, that was like a big part of the diva search. It's like, I don't have a jealous bone in my body. I'm so happy. So when someone, even when people were auditioning and I would have friends that, you know, if I booked something, they would make it into like, oh yeah, I heard that client's terrible. I don't know, they because they also auditioned for it. But my thought process is always, even now when it comes to real estate, it's like if someone's booking something, I, I don't think, oh God, they took a job from me. I think, oh my gosh, people are hiring right? There's opportunity. Cause that's what I think. I think we live in an abundant world that there's more than enough to go around. And so like these weird, jealous feelings that people get, it's really hard for me to comprehend that. Um, because I'm not, I don't know. I just don't feel jealous or insecure about other people. I'm truly happy for people's successes because I feel like if people are happy, we live in a better world. What, what do you want? You want people to be miserable so you can feel good. And then you're living around a bunch of miserable people. That's not a fun yeah. life to live. I, that's one of the, that was one of the harder things when, when I lived in LA, when my kids were little, they wanted to go into acting. And I, I just didn't feel good about it because I remember from my side going in for auditions. Right. And it's like, there are 30 other 
ladies who look pretty similar to how you look if they have a type that they're looking for. Why is that girl a better me than than I am? You know, so it's I think it baits us into that perspective of not enough and and of competition. Whereas, like you said, there's really enough to go around and like they're hiring, things are moving. I'm the only me, so they must need them. And there's something else better for me, that means. So it's really just our perspective. Something that I don't know if you have noticed, I know you're so introspective just as a a person, but there's this pattern for you. You've always been building an empire because when I knew you before you were building the agency, you were all about women winning and how you could get your foot in the door to help others. And you really were trying to build that empire through agenting, right? Yes. When really what you didn't know at that time was that you were going to have these two amazing babies and your life was going to take a whole different course. And that empire actually needed to include time for your family and, and what that looked like and building people up instead of, you know, in modeling, there's a little bit of exploitation that happens on the service end. So it just, the way that you've been able to shift it and the dream is the same. It's just a totally different application. And I just love the way that's the way the universe works. Sometimes we're doing something and banging our head against a wall and we know we're supposed to be building this, but it's not working. And then years later we figure out like, Oh, this is, this is it, you know? Yeah. It's so funny. You know, I started that modeling and talent agency. It was really born out of, I was with Ford models in LA. And of course I was the shortest girl on their roster. And it's like, you know, I'd already been signed by them and I was already booking a lot of jobs and I had booked a really big campaign for Shiseido Cosmetics and I was going in to pick up my check. I mean, back then, I think it was like $80,000. It was a lot of money for one particular campaign. And then they got, you know, 20%, whatever they took, you know, out of it back then. And I felt like, I kind of was like, like this mouse. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Can I, can I come in? You know, and then I thought, well, that's, that's bullshit. Like, why are you treating these people? Like they actually work for you. You don't work for them. And why would you diminish yourself? And then I thought, actually, most people feel this way in the entertainment industry. Like no one's fighting for them. No one's fighting to get them paid on time. That's for sure. Right. How many times we would have to wait for our check? They're like, no, 90 days turned into 180, you know, whatever it was. And, um, so I thought, I just want to do it differently, right. Where models get treated with respect. And of course I didn't realize it was going to be such a big babysitting job because not everyone treats it like a business. (laughs) Um, but I did learn a, a lot from that. And, um, and it's interesting just even now, you know, being in real estate and starting to try to build a team, um, you know, I had some setbacks with people because I pour so much of myself into people. You know me, right? Like that's, yeah, I want to sure. lift people up. I really want to do this. And so that's the whole thing about like the thank you. And I had a conversation with someone about two weeks ago and everything clicked for me. And I, they said, you know, you're the kind of person that says, don't give to receive, Right. But when you're giving and you're expecting a thank you, that's still giving to receive. So if you can't freely give your time and whatever you're going to give to someone without expecting anything, not a thank you, anything in return, don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't give it. Right. Because you're still giving and expecting something in return because like I've helped so many people in the industry in, in real estate. And at the end of the day, you know, for whatever reason they want to be, you know, my partner and I'm not ready for that kind of thing, or they're not bringing enough to the table to really be my partner. 
and then, you know, whatever things disintegrate. And then I just feel like, oh my gosh, I did so much for this person. How did they not say thank you? But that's on me because I shouldn't have done all those things expecting sort of anything in return. So, um, yeah, it's been a very, I, gosh, I feel like I've lived a million lives. Um, but I was so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it's going to the root of the root, right. Of, you know, what's the root of why you were doing it in the first place. And then what's beneath that. So the, what's the root of the root for you, which I know is you're, you have a service heart. I mean, it's just a part of you. It's, it's, that's your real drive is, is service. And with homes, I'm sure it's finding people, you know, the, the best similar to with that, with the agency, right. Making sure people are treated fairly, making sure people on, on all sides are respected and feeling good. Um, the, the other people that you're putting on your team, building them up, of course, sometimes someone is just not in a place to, you know, to understand what's, what's being given to them, I guess, maybe. And the truth is, I know in, in your heart, you don't really actually need the thank you. I know you don't. I know it's just the principle. Of it's the just thing. the principle. Yeah. <laughs> it's the principle of the matter. Yeah, for sure. So sometimes people ask me if I would ever go back to, um, to wrestling for either a WrestleMania or some kind of a thing. Would you ever go back? I did actually go back for WrestleMania 25 for like the, the smallest, uh, kind of appearance in one of those battle Royal things where they like throw everyone out pretty quickly. Um, so it was a very short, got to do the hall of fame thing again. Um, go to that. It it was interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We could just leave it at that. It's so funny. No, look, I, I grew so much because of that experience. But at the same time, um, I always say, and I, I, I mean this really in the most respectful way, it was like running away and joining the circus. Circus meaning like, it's just like, it's a whole other world. Like you said, it's a different yeah, culture. Different culture sure. And then also you're on the road. I mean, there were times when I'm like, we would be driving because people don't really understand, right? Okay. So wrestling people think, Oh, you know, they're the stars in their eyes. When you first start out, we are on a base salary that everyone is on and they pay for your, you know, coach ticket, which is fine. But then you have to pay for your car and you have to pay for your hotel and you have to get yourself from some random city, right. To the arena on time, um, figure out barking. There's fans waiting outside. So you're trying to navigate getting into like underneath parking structure. And sometimes like you fly in late at night and you're just exhausted. And it's not like the hotel, we would get in a hotel near the arena, which was not necessarily near the airport. Right. right. So we would be driving and oh my God, I just remember thinking like, like, where am I? What freeway am I on? I don't know what city I'm in. I'm exhausted. Please don't let me fall asleep at the wheel. I mean, it was a really, um, I have a lot of like mad respect for people that just do it years and years on end. I mean, I know it's in their blood and they love it and they don't know anything else, but I mean, God bless them really. That is a tough, it's like a circus. You're on the road. The injuries are real. And just like any athlete, you know, when you're out, you're you're out and you may or may not come back. I mean, because it is kind of a soap opera esque storyline. Once they write you out, they could or could not bring you back. It's, and, and it's stressful in the way that, um, 
you know, not everyone's taught or, or understands how to invest when they are in a program that's making money and that's drawing and they're getting percentage of pay-per-view. And so they're, I think, forced to work maybe a lot longer than what is healthy for their body, yeah, their and, body and their mind. I know yeah. because, and, and they, there is no plan B, right. They don't really have anything to fall back on. Tough. Um, and then there's really just that one or two outlets that they can do. So they're, they're yeah. putting, and I look, I think it's important sometimes to put a lot of your eggs in one basket because that's the way that you can focus and be successful at something. I think if you're so diversified and you're trying to do all these different things at once, it is going to be very hard to get to the very top of the food chain in that. Um, once you're there, then of course you can kind of diversify. But um, but again, you put all your eggs in that basket and then you have like a neck injury, a back injury, and then what do you do, right? I mean- for sure. You have, you're not skilled in any other trade. It's maybe this is a little bit of like my privilege showing, but it's, it's things that people don't realize. Like there is no company insurance policy and life insurance, health insurance. They do not want to cover you when you do a job like that. <laughs> like nope. that's, you know, it's things like that, that are just the practical parts of it. Um, it was like a whirlwind experience. I, there are parts that broke my heart and there are parts that were incredible. The fans are intense and I can't believe that they even still give a crap about remember what, us. What I'm doing or yeah. remember I was ever there. Um, it's bizarre. Like I found out last year, I, they, they created a new avatar and put me out in a new video game. And I had no idea. Like it's things like that, where you just they can use my image in perpetuity. They can't, right. use, you know, do so your kids go crazy? Do you, are your kids into it? Do they see you? What's crazy is the kids are 20 and 22 now. Oh my gosh. So isn't that insane? Oh um, it's nuts. Yeah. So when they were little, uh, I was bullied a lot in school. And so I just kind of told them, listen, if it helps you out that I'm in this video game, like tell your friends, like work it, you know what I mean? If yeah. it makes, if it makes it worse, like we'll keep it a secret, whatever you guys need to happen around this. And I think that's kind of how they played it is if it, you know, if it was to their benefit, they'd let people know. And if it, if it wasn't when my son was in high school, uh, like he played football and occasionally boys would make comments and that's where he would be, you know, not okay about it. And, but besides that, you know, I, I tried to be very conscious cause I, I always had kids. I mean, my whole adult life I've had kids. So I was very conscious about that one day they would grow up and see the body of work that I had done, whatever it was. And that, you know, I just needed to be prepared <laughs> to explain things that, you know, were maybe in poor taste that I, that I took as just an independent film or whatever I did. So it's certainly, there's been some explaining about it, but they're, they're pretty good about it. Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, my kids obviously are 12 now, so they, you know, weren't born. That was what a 17 years ago, but someone recently made like a, because I was scanned for, um, my action figure and then I was photographed for the video game. So they were ready to kind of roll that whole thing out and it never came to fruition because I quit, but then someone on their own took it upon themselves to make an action figure of me. And it's like, I mean, oh yeah. my gosh, it's literally, I mean, it's nothing that I want, like, you know, on my shelf or anything, but my kids, I don't know, my husband found it and he was like, oh my gosh, how cool is this? And I'm like, that's, please don't show, don't share that to anyone. And then my kids are like, is that supposed to be you? Like, they're just like, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Those are the interesting relationships. Like I, you know, became friends with the guys who did those type of avatar scans and all of that. And so there's a lot of behind the scenes 
just really cool stuff that we got to experience. That's really unusual. And one of my favorite, like absolute favorite things that I got to be a part of was the Make-A-Wish program. Oh. And there were guys who didn't want to do it or who would be like, oh, it's such an inconvenience. And I used to get really offended and was like, are you kidding me? Like this little kid, you're making his whole entire, you know, moment right now, because the energy that you feel from them and just the purity of their hearts, that the gratitude that they have when they're battling these life-threatening, you know, terminal, in most cases, illnesses. It's just, it really, I always let them know, like anytime that I can do any of these, please let me know. Cause they would bring them to the arenas in the, in the day when everything was getting set up. So often, you know, they just have them in catering and you'd go and hang out for a while or whatever, but those were the best, just absolute best experience. I love that being in that position. I know at the agency we have, we do a lot of builds. We do a lot of Habitat for Humanity and so always want to be a part of that. But um, so one last thought. Do you remember being in Japan with Big Show and walking down the street? Actually, (laughs) what's funny is I moved um, last year at this time. And so I went through a bunch of uh, flash drives of pictures. I have some crazy pictures of us because in Japan is where you and I were working out um, with Fit Finley, what our our match was going to be. So I've got some pictures of us kind of in the ring, um, like not camera ready in any form or fashion. Um, what I didn't know, this is so ridiculous, but I didn't know it was going to be so cold in Japan. So I had not really brought like an appropriate, I had like little skirts and Uggs and big sweaters. I didn't have appropriate clothes. So I have this picture of us. Do you remember that giant, um, luck cat that was outside of somewhere? It was like almost as tall as us. I'll have to send you a picture. I have a picture of us. Were we standing next to it? giant cat. I have a couple weird back then it was digital cameras. So it wasn't camera phones. The pictures were not amazing. If we (laughs) know we're honest. Um, and I remember show came out with us for a little while and he was just like, there is no way to be incognito with that man. When you're with show, I know. And everyone freaked out. Like, I remember like, they're like, Oh, like they were literally flipping out or whatever and sing to I mean construction workers in the street yes. and like would stop what they're doing yeah singing his like song with his hand thing that he would do and he's giant he's giant yeah he's really giant and there we are trying to walk around and just take a quick little because they didn't it was frowned upon to really venture outside the hotel I don't know if you remember this but then we dropped him off and we were like oh we're tired yawn and then we got on the subway together. We did. We got on the subway. I was like, I can do this, Joy. I lived here before. They're color coded. And you're like, are you sure? Are we going to know where are we going? I'm like, I don't care. Let's just get out of here. Yeah. It's crazy. And so many people packed in that little subway. Yes. We went a couple stops and just explored a little bit. And yeah, I, I actually remember quite a bit about it. That was the best spaghetti I ever had. Strangely, to that point, was at that <laughs> hotel in Japan. I know. So, so. it was, it was it was fun. It was different. I don't think I slept that whole trip just because it was the other thing people don't realize is we don't have time for sightseeing. So I've been so many places, but have seen like nothing. I know. I tell my kids, like I've been to 30, almost 30 countries, but you're on set, you're in makeup, right? So you don't get to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're in interviews. You're because you did that appearance in Kyoto and you got that um, kimono, didn't you? Yes. Parents that I didn't, we had separate appearances because we weren't supposed to be together. Right. We always yeah. had pre, pre-interviews pre or pre, yeah. Um, yeah, we had to do marketing for the company. So 
Yeah, which yeah. just made all the other girls super happy. Yeah, it was fun and crazy and just a just a whole set of unique kind of once in a lifetime experiences, really. I didn't expect for anyone to know who we were in Japan, but we were like pretty famous in Japan. It was yeah. crazy. No, it was definitely, it was a really interesting time in my life, very reflective, but honestly, um, there's just no one in the world I would have wanted to experience it with other than you. I did. Okay, though. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I think people don't really know like us, like in the heart, we are so yeah. similar, like human beings and moms and empaths and, you know, every yeah. sensitive thing that's amazing. I used to think being empathetic was some weakness, but I just embrace it now and, and I'm so just, oh my gosh, I could talk to you for hours. I'm so excited. I know. That, yeah. So I was saying we'll have to do a follow-up interview in person. And I want to have a reading. I'm, I'm, yes. I would love we'll to, to yes, do a reading and, and then do a, a follow-up with that. But I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy you've come so far. You're still just as beautiful as you mm-hmm. always yeah. were inside and out. And thank you so much for giving me the time today to come on my show. Thanks for having me anytime. It's great to catch up and chat about old things we've never really talked publicly about any of this stuff uh together so it's been fun i know definitely all right everyone thank you so very much for watching another episode i really appreciate all of the support and the follows and the subscriptions and i will see you on the next one